Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Listen In with Lars. I'm your host, Lars Haskins. And each week on Listen In with Lars, you will hear from interesting guests and experts from around the world. We will laugh together and learn together and share stories on our journey through life. On this episode, we have a very special guest, and that is Sean McAndrew. And Sean is a Navy veteran and is currently the Vice President of Business Development at the Service Design Group. Sean honed her leadership skills as a helicopter pilot and commanding officer in the U.S. Navy before diving headfirst into conveying the stories that build business relationships and create as-a-service transformations. Sean holds an MS in strategy from the National War College and a BS in electrical engineering from the U.S. Naval Academy. Well, Sean, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining. It is a pleasure to have you. Lars, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time and your audience's time today. Oh, my pleasure. First and foremost, I think you're a little overeducated for our show. That is very, it's a very impressive resume you have. <laughs> Actually, if you are not continuing to learn and continuing to learn other people's stories, then, um, you know, you're probably not growing yourself. And so I appreciate the opportunity to, to join you because we all have something to learn from everybody. Very true. I love that mentality. Well, first and foremost, tell me how you got started with the Service Design Group, or SDG as it's called. Uh, that is kind of one of those wonderful wandering stories uh, that I do enjoy talking about. One of the fun things, uh, again, you've mentioned I was a helicopter pilot, and yes. being a helicopter pilot taught me a lot about life and how I look at things. You have to learn and know and follow all the rules in order to have the creativity and flexibility to adapt when things are going to change, like you're told to do something else or there's a malfunction in the aircraft. And so that formed a basis of who I am as a leader. And I was in the Navy for more than two decades. And then I got to choose, well, ooh, what do I wanna do next? which is funny because you are always told what you're going to do and you always know what to expect in the Navy. And now all of a sudden, I have all of this choices in front of me. What do I wanna do? Who do I become? Where do I wanna live? For the first time since I left high school, I now have to make all these choices. So in that I took some time off, it was COVID or the start of COVID when I actually transitioned from the Navy. Okay. So it was the summer of 2020. I took some downtime, looked at a few opportunities, was networking. And then again, it's always the networking. Yes. Uh, came across this company, Service Design Group, had no idea what in the world service design meant, um, but ended up with basically a business internship experience with them to start to fill out my resume and to actually start understanding how business works. Because while I have led large organizations, I have never run a business. And I didn't, un I understood the components from reading about it, but I really didn't understand what it really takes to run this thing. Like, how does this machine really work? Again, right. helicopter pilots, I wanna know how this stuff works. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, so I started working with them and I was having fun and I wanted to learn more and I kept asking questions. And finally, it got to the point where either I need to go get a job or I need to create a more permanent relationship. And so I heard the founder story. And this is also when I figured out I knew my why 
aligned with his. He got into design in, uh, and was a design major in college. Okay. And his, uh, his name is Patrick, um, and not to be confused with others, but his, uh, just so if I say Patrick, people aren't wondering, well, who in the world's that? He is the founder. Sure. And he enjoyed, and what he really got out of design was being able to make everything better and being able to um, find ways and solutions that make sense for everybody involved. So not just the person making, but the person receiving. And he looked at it as, as you can't do service design unless you take all of the stakeholders, internal and external into account or whatever you're gonna do is fail. So he went on, he did an internship. Again, there's this internship theme that seems to be going around to find um, his job and he started with IBM. He started on the software side uh, as a software engineer and eventually worked his way over to the business product management. He happened to be on one of the first teams that created a software as a service offering for IBM. Okay. Now we know what, most of us now know what SaaS is um, as a common, but this was more than 10 years ago. And this was before anybody had ever heard of that acronym or anything saying software as a service. Mm-hmm. So the team he was on, everybody was focused on all the functions and features of the software, and he was left holding, well, how, what's the rest of the business aspects that we need to support this offering, such as you know, data center capacity or sales teams incentives? And so he was the only one who worked through the whole business aspect um, perspective of that service model to be able to support it beyond just the functions and the features. Okay. So he kind of looked around and recognized there was nobody around who had that kind of knowledge or experience to purposefully design a business model around a service. And he thought it would be a great idea to create a business with that. Hmm. So he did it as a side hustle, um, stayed with the IBM for about six years and then did created the service design group, you know, at night. So he lost a lot of sleep. And his whole point is being able to have technology be uh, used and designed for purpose and application to make everything better. My why is I want to leave the world a better place than when I found it. One person and one individual at a time. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at both of our whys, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a really, really great fit. And that's how we have, you know, continued and continued this business relationship for about the per- past six to eight months. That's incredible. Thank you very much for sharing that, Sean. I, l- I love that mentality too. one one person at a time changing the world. I think that's definitely something that we can we can all keep in our minds as we continue to grow, as you've uh, said before. Um, let me ask you this. How does SDG make their clients better? Let's talk a little bit more about that. Sure. One of the things with and making them better is we find, you know, digital transformation, improved customer experience and new innovations. They are all around. That's almost all you hear in articles or on the news, you know, in publications. 
But when we talk to prospective clients or see it, a lot of people get hung up. Like for the amount of ideas that are out there and opportunities, a lot of things just seem to stagnate and don't get to where they should. Sure. And, you know, that's part of the reason and part of what, you know, Patrick saw is like, why are people getting stuck? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they're not looking at everything holistically. And so what we help uh, our, our clients do is create teams that can look at this innovation holistically to get them over the hump of whatever the, the problem or the concern, uh, whatever that happens to be, having them focus on it in a, from our lens where we design it and start looking at it from the customer's point of view is how we actually get them to methodically go through the offering to create all of the parts to help it. So one of the neat things that we've actually seen from our clients is towards the end of the journey, most of the team members end up getting promoted, which is one of those, it's not, it, we're not doing it, they're doing it. Yeah. it. It's all them, but we have really seen where they have been, you know, elevated to going through this process. And I think that is also really rewarding on many different levels. Absolutely. That's, I love that teamwork aspect to it. That's, that's very good. <clears throat> what does servitization or as a service transformation really mean? I think like, let's explain that a little more for our audience. <laughs> now, and here's the thing. I say that the first time everybody's eyes glaze over. Everybody's <laughs> eyes glaze over. Exactly. That's why I'm laughing. And what I, yeah. And, and cause I, cause that's what we do, but everybody still needs an explanation because it's, Everybody thinks, well, it's a made up word. And I said, yes, but Google was a made up word 20 years ago. And now it's a verb and a noun. That's very true. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. servitization, if I tell you, all right, think of the process Disney had to go through to take their Disney vault to create Disney Plus. Hmm. That is a servitization process. Okay. All right. So what that does is to take an existing product and a product business model, which is well known and well thought through and take a look at what the customer outcomes need to be because we service business to business. That's the, you know, that's the, the people who we want to help the most is in a business to business sense. So take a look at their businesses, their, their partners, and what do they need to actually get the product into their business that provides value. One of the struggles we hear from our prospective clients is they do have this great new technology or this new product and they can't get their customers to get interested in it because it's too hard. It's too much of an investment. Uh, it's too large. It doesn't fit in their workflow. You know, They'll hear all of these types of uh, op- objections. Mm-hmm. By creating a service offering, you're changing it to either a service contract or recurring revenue model over a longer period of time. And it makes it so that the customer can now see value because it was built to begin with to show value and to actually improve that customer's business. In addition, 
it makes it easier for the customer to adopt because it's a much lower investment. It's a longer investment over time, but it's a much lower starting point. And if you think of what has happened in SaaS and think of even uh, Microsoft Office, and it used to be a really expensive package to buy the whole Microsoft Office package. Yeah. Well, they went to that recurring model where it's a much lower cost for an annual subscription that makes it easier. It's the same idea, but applying it in a business to business uh, for products in general. Okay. That makes a lot more sense, I would definitely say. I think <laughs> using a really popular like Disney Plus, I think that's going to really kind of perk everyone's ears up. So that definitely is a very helpful, I think. So thank you for explaining that. <clears throat> uh, what do you think is the biggest item people overlook when they try to start on an innovation process? You know, one, I think everybody gets excited about new ideas. I yeah. think everybody gets completely excited about new ideas. For sure. What? What I think ends up happening, though, is they don't look at their customers first. They don't consider what do their customers actually need first. So they get on this idea and then they create this wonderful product mm -hmm. or it gets stuck somewhere because people are asking because they can't see how is this going to be of use. I mean, the last thing anybody wants to waste time on is creating something that nobody wants and nobody needs. Yeah. You know, that that's hard to do. Yeah. And so if you start with what the customer's business is, then it makes it a heck of a lot easier to actually get through an entire innovation process uh, because you've asked, you've already asked yourself the hard questions and you've already been, and you're able to provide those answers which is kind of fun. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you. Uh, what can people do to make the innovation process not so difficult? All right. We have six steps that we've broken down sure. um, that will make it at least a lot easier, or at least a lot way to get your, your mind wrapped around of, okay, how in the world do we do this? Yeah. Um, and we call it the the, the wow to how, not the how to the wow, it's the wow to how, because okay. you're starting with the awesome fun. Yeah. But it's that, it's that oh my gosh, how, do, how am I gonna get it done that I think also stops people up. It's like, okay, well, what are the steps I really need to do? So here are six steps. Yes. One, tell your story. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't tell a story, then you're really not gonna be able to sell it to anyone, your team, your bosses, or your customer. Right. All right. Define success. Number two, define success according to your stakeholders. All right. All of your stakeholders, not just your bosses. Yes, obviously, I'm going to say your customers, but then also your internal audience. Who are the other business units or other departments that you need to actually work with? And what do they care about? So if you look and understand what their everybody's needs and what success would look like to them, you can already have those questions answered when they inevitably come up as you're talking to them. Sure. Because you've already thought through it. All right. Number three, own your scope. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? I do too. <laughs> Everything has boundaries. So every idea to come to fruition cannot be limitless. 
So you actually have to put boundaries on what can and can't be done. I mean, yes, right now we have gone to the moon, we are going to Mars, but how long has that also taken? So you probably don't want a product that is going to take the 10 years that it may, took to get us to the moon. Yeah. So figure out what is the boundaries of what can be, because you don't want to keep adding on and adding on and adding on. So put some boundaries on it. Be realistic, yeah. Be realistic. Mm-hmm. All right, sketch the plan. All right, here's where it becomes, you know, starts to become real. And uh, I have a lot of, Navy made me very much a planner. I enjoy it. I know a lot of other people don't. (laughs) They just don't. So with sketching the plan is taking a look at the assumptions that you made and the objectives that you need to hit. Now is when you actually need to start figuring out, okay, who can do that? And when does it have to be done? So it's about a lot like aligning a, a Tetris model of when are all the blocks going to fall into place. Ooh, yeah. But you do want to actually figure out who's supposed to do what and when it's to be done. Because if you don't have a timeline, and I think this is a, a challenge for so many people and so many leaders, is creating a deadline. You're like, well, who's, whose authority is that for me to be able to create a deadline? Your own. It's the smartest thing to do because that's how you start creating accountability is through deadlines. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of the challenges. People don't like to put deadlines because it feels odd to them. I'm like, start practicing, just create a plan. You can always move a deadline, but if you never have one, then nobody's ever gonna start. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, for step five, prototyping the change. Now, Prototyping is before you even get to a minimum viable product. So you're taking the idea, and one of the easy ones for a product uh, that that gets banted around is, is you know taking a block of wood and carrying it around, which was you know the original Palm Pilot or the original you know mobile phone of what does it feel like to the customer to to the person. Uh, a little bit harder with services there. It's role play, use your team to role play of how will this work? How would it not? And this is a step that you're actually going to continue throughout because this is what will actually get you to a minimum vial product and also prevent a lot of pitfalls um, and missteps along the way so that you actually get to the point where, oh yeah, the customer really likes this. We've answered all their questions and it's here, you know, all in this beautiful package. And then, of course, the last step mm-hmm. is put all five together, tell the story, know the stakeholders, own the scope, sketch the plan, got the prototype, and now it's time to pitch it. Yeah. Now it's time to pitch. you. And again, this is where the work you did in number two is pretty important yeah. because you want to be ready to pitch your bosses. And you also want to be ready to pitch those other teams that you need to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, because you need to rally a team around you. Nobody is actually going to do innovation alone. It's right. always going to really take a team. Yep. But putting all of that together, that will actually get you through an innovation to actually get it on, get it going and get it moving. For sure. That cooperation is key. Absolutely. 
completely. Completely. So if people want to understand if servitization is an option for their company, what are the steps that they can do? Absolutely. Well, one, um, I believe that you will have in your, um, in your notes will be my LinkedIn profile. Okay. Um, if you can click on my LinkedIn profile or search Sean McAndrew, mm-hmm. uh, in my feature section, there's a box that says snapshot, service snapshot. It is an assessment tool and benchmarking tool for a company to figure out where they are in, a, in their services and will they, can they actually improve their business through additional services that are being, uh, to offer more services. It's a 23 question uh, survey. It should take you five minutes at most. If it takes you longer than that, you're thinking way too hard. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll reach back out to you and have you, and go through this assessment so that we can, t- we can see where you are, what you're interested in, and if this is possible for you to do or not. Uh, if you don't want to go to LinkedIn, you can always just email me at Sean at the service design group.com. Uh, Sean, in this case, is S H A U N because, yes, I have had my name misspelled thousands of times um, and will continue to over the course of time. <laughs> so, uh, want to make sure people understand how to spell that so they can get the right email. That's with a U, people. S H A U N. Thank go. you. Thanks, Lars. You got it. <laughs> I'm here for you. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you this, uh, Sean. What do you think is one key aspect or maybe a life lesson that you've learned from doing SDG just before we go? I love that question. Yeah. A life lesson, um, take some time to understand your values, understand your purpose. And when you see the opportunity to take it, what I'm doing is actually really uncomfortable for me. It's not normal. It's not something I've done. I had gotten very used to the Navy over 20 years and it was very comfortable with what I was doing. This is a challenge and I'm loving it. And I feel full of life because every day I have to figure something else out new. It's a challenge. I'm not succeeding every single moment. I am failing. I am learning. But then there's another challenge to yet overcome, which is really invigorating for me. And so I would say that's for me has been my life lesson is to go after it. Um, Go take it, go be uncomfortable and it's okay. You'll be fine. Just take the failures as learning tools, not as a reflection on you. So I would say that that has been one of the more fun things or fun discoveries in this new adventure that I'm in. That's incredible. Thank you very much for sharing that. I think that's definitely, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That I've, I've definitely heard that before. And I think it's definitely a good thing to have reiterated for all of us, especially, you know, in the, this day and age. So thank you very much. You're um, welcome. Any final words uh, before we uh, head out this episode? Well, Lars, I want to say thank you. And thank you so much to your audience for spending some time with us today. I am really grateful uh, to have gotten to know you and to be able to tell people about the Service Design Group. 
I think what we do is extraordinarily super cool, but I have to tell everybody exactly what we do because nobody at first understands it. So I am extraordinarily grateful for your time today. Hey, that's what we're here for. My pleasure. Um, so that's it for this episode. Uh, please feel free to check out Sean's website or feel free to reach out for her via LinkedIn or email. Thank you very much for joining us this episode and we'll catch you next time.